0: I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. Have you ever considered that your small business is sort of like raising a child? or caring for a pet? Have you ever unfollowed every social media account that doesn't spark joy or brings your energy down? These are just a few of the insights from Jill Salzman, founder of Founding Moms, and a truly unique, inspiring, and hilarious human. Whether or not you are a founder or an entrepreneur or have a small business, this is such a fun episode. I know you're going to love this conversation. All right. Jill Salzman of The Founding Moms. She is a author. She has a podcast. She is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. And she has a business called The Founding Moms that helps mom entrepreneurs grow or launch or both your own business. So this is going to be a really exciting conversation because I have so many questions that are personal to me and The Second Shift. So I can't wait to get your advice on all of those things. But just to start, I want to point out that 43% of small businesses in the U.S. are owned by women, and of those, one in three are owned by moms, and those are really exciting statistics because it just shows the power that women have and how important those dollars are to the U.S. economy, and also... How important it is for women to double down on themselves, to have the foundational knowledge that they need to start a business. Because oftentimes, I think like retail and service businesses are the businesses that women found. And similar to my own story... They found them because they see a gap in the market and a need in their own personal lives, and then they go out and they found a business. So we're going to go back and talk about that later. I just, am super excited to have this conversation with Jill Salzman of the Founding Moms. Welcome to The Second Shift.
1: Thank you. I think you said everything that I wanted to say, so thanks for having me. We're done now. Yeah, bye.
0: Okay, (laughs) first of all, whatever's happening with your background and your just the the whole thing I'm really into. Um, Uh, You are bringing some sunshine on this gloomy day to our Zoom. So thank you for bringing the sunshine.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's actually very on brand because I'm constantly trying to tell people business doesn't have to be boring. So I just want you to see how much fun we can have.
0: Business doesn't have to be boring, but a lot of it you say when you're an entrepreneur is about your mindset. What is an entrepreneurial mindset? Do we have enough time? For me, entrepreneurial mindset is
1: literally the go getter, the let's do itiveness of life, of work, of whatever you're passionate about. For me, it's very similar. I like to compare it to anybody who has ever raised a child or an animal you pour your love, you pour your heart into it. You do things when you don't really feel like doing them for that thing that you're raising. It's the same with a small business. That's how I feel about it. So, uh, the mindset is even though I'm telling myself I can't, and other
0: people are saying I shouldn't, I'm going to do it. That's a really good analogy. Cause you always hear people who like get a pet. And then they're like, "Oh, it's so much work, and it never ends." And you have to be home, and you have to take care of your pet, and you're like, "And it pooped all over the floor." And it's just, you know, just this thing. Why did I get this dog? And that's kind of the feeling that you can get when you have your small business, where you're like, "Oh my god, it's never ending. It doesn't end." Once you get over the like initial high of the launch, then you're like, "Oh my god, I have this business, and I can't ever stop doing this now." Yeah. It's the adjustment
1: part that I always can't stand the most where you're finally used to the sleep schedule of your dog or the nap times of your baby. And then the kid or the animal, I just call them all kids, they shift and they evolve and you have to evolve with them and you have to keep catching up and you you just got used to your marketing program and it was working until last week and now you have to shift and adjust and It's just a constant evolution and you always feel like you're chasing. And I I hate that most of all about entrepreneurship, but I also love it the most because it's the thing that drives me to keep doing it. I think I'd be real bored at an accounting firm, you know? Anybody who's watching, if you have questions, I am more than happy to answer them because clearly I'm very excited about entrepreneurship. I think this is the best question ever asked in anything I've ever done in business. How do you keep your mojo when the world is a dumpster fire? Uh, So (laughs) I love the question so much. So the world is in fact a dumpster fire. Uh, Nine out of 10 dentists agree. So I usually I I stop reading a lot of the news. That's really it. (laughs) I just stop reading the news. I stop listening to other people talking about the dumpster fiery things. And when I get caught up in it, there's a bad day. But I actually do turn to work to make me happy. I think that's sort of a sacrilegious thing to say because we're not supposed to be attached to our work or fueled in some emotional way by our work. But I, I'm Jenny. I'm just diving in here. I do not believe in work life balance. I hate the term work life balance work makes me happy. So I turn to it. If the dumpster fire is just on fire, I like unfollow. I love Twitter. I know I'm not supposed to anymore, but I'll unfollow people who are extremely political or saying things about dumpster fires. I don't want to know. And I'll just follow comedians. Does that answer the question? I hope.
0: I I understand that completely, but okay. So let's unpack that a tiny bit because there's a few things in there. Sometimes it's just emotional, right? Sometimes it's just a dumpster fire and you're like, it's a slog to own your own business and it's just hard to get invigorated, excited to do Uh, this thing that you've been doing or it's not working out or you're in this like fallow stage or you're working on a project that is just not fun for you and and it doesn't feel exciting and fun. How do you get that mojo just to like, Get excited again to do this thing. I have my own personal answer. I'm wondering what yours is. Oh, I want to hear your personal answer. I have two answers. So you go first. I personally, like there was a period of time, especially in COVID where it felt real. It was, it was a real slog to do this. I think that finding new ways to feel excited yeah. is one of the things. And just, I'm really, I love a new project, finding the side project that is like, okay, well, I wanted a podcast. That was fun. So working on something new that yeah. you like, even if it's, you're still doing the other stuff that you have to do, but like, okay, so this partnership or this thing is going to like, get me going and make it fun. And that I find more fun or just like getting together with groups of women who are like you have these groups having the place to complain, having the place to know that you're not alone, that this is how everyone feels. There's like some comfort in that, I think. Yeah. Getting new ideas, just getting yeah. somebody else to be like, "Okay, well, have you tried this thing?" Yeah. You have a theme going on of new and you said One of my now
1: three suggestions. So I'm very practical. Practically speaking, and now I'm talking to all the people who are able to do this because they work at home or they work in a co-working space. Practically speaking, if you're stuck in a rut emotionally or otherwise, and you're just like, I want to blow my brains out. I don't want to work on this. Get up and move to a different spot in your house or in the space, because there is actual science that backs the idea that if you sit in the same spot every single day, sometimes I'm not saying it scientifically, but sometimes your ideas get stuck in the same place. And when you move to a whole new spot with a whole new view, you get a whole new slew of what Jenny needs, which are all new ideas. I was going to say the same thing you did, Jenny. Number two for me is get out of your house and go see people, meet people, get together with people, If you're a mom entrepreneur, you can come to a founding exchange. If you want to go anywhere, find it on meetup.com or just ask people on social media. But I do find, particularly when you were saying it, Jenny, that it's so much easier to say than to go do. Because if you're stuck in the rut, you're like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go out. I don't want to get dressed. And like, you just have to maybe hear me and Jenny saying it 400 times. I don't know what will motivate you, but you need to actually go do it to feel that reinvigoration or the invigoration.
0: You can get stuck in like the, you know, in this like vortex of the negativity of it and the feeling of it and being like, you know, and making up excuses and this thing. And, And then- Ultimately, that's the only thing you're going to get out of it. That's how it's going to be. It's not going to be different. So if you want the end to be different and you want the feeling to be different, you have to like change something. Yeah. Because Definitely. then if you change something, if you're again, working on something new, talking to new people, creating yeah. you know, whatever it is that you can do new, you're going to have a different feeling. Yes. And then that is going to create, that will compound itself but not to kill the analogy where we were talking about kids and and how having a small business can feel like that. Doesn't it a little bit feel like the world today because of the where we are is like a moody teenager, (laughs) right? It's like having a moody teenager because for my business, it's like one day everyone's hiring and it's good and we're in a good mood. And then everyone's firing everybody the next day and it's, and we're in a terrible mood and, you know, and it's a recession and batten down your hatches and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And you can kind of like freeze up or panic. It can drive a person crazy. It can really make you
1: panic. So, Oh, my third suggestion actually to that point is that, so you've moved in your house or your office and you have heard Jenny and gone out and hung out with people, which particularly for extroverts can be really invigorating. For introverts, maybe. But the other piece that we don't give permission to ourselves to do is just go away. Close your laptop, close the phone, go do something for an hour if it's a long walk, I don't care. Get away from the work. Like, you know, when you're writing an email to somebody, just want to take a bite out of them. And you're like, I shouldn't be writing an email right now. I'm in such a bad mood. That's when you close up. You leave. I literally in the middle of November, which is a pretty busy time for us, just took a two-week break. You uh, look at any technology which is really scary when you're coming back into it, but is unbelievably great for mental health. And a lot of people feel like, I can't do that. I can't not work for a week. You can, you can. Literally, unless you are a brain surgeon or another kind of surgeon, you can.
0: Okay, so let's go, let's dive into leadership because I I noticed that that's one of the topics that you really speak to, and i could tell that you would be a very fun person to work for i feel like i feel like there's you know so what's your leadership style like and and how do you help people find what's their unique leadership style and third part how do you get over the blahs when you're the leader and that's you can't be the blahs there's no blahs yeah to go backwards
1: the only way i have found as a leader to get out of the blahs is to go talk to other leaders because they are the ones that understand what you're doing. They are the ones that can give you advice. You can't really turn to your team and be like, what do you guys think I should do? Because you need to look like the leader. For folks who don't know what kind of leader you are, you need to know that there's more than one kind of leader. I think we all see like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, and you're like, that's a leader. That's what I should be like. There are very formal names, most of which I won't remember right now, but there are introverted leaders. There are social leaders. There are I think seven studied types of leadership, some of them are much more community-based. I tend to lean into the community that supports my leadership. So I'm not the kind of leader that's like, hey, today we're doing X, Y, and Z, go. I am much more of, hey, let's discuss all of it together. And then I'm going to be the leader on it. I'm going to give everybody the what, where, how to. But I like to lead in much more of a community-based Manner, maybe it's why I run a community. And I definitely work really fast. And so we're always working on our leadership. I'm not the world's greatest leader, no one is. And I tend to work really, really fast and find that most people I work with don't work as fast as I do. So I get really impatient and I am constantly working with my team on ways to get the work done more efficiently and effectively. So that everybody's satisfied and it's not this out of balance situation. Does that make sense? Yes. What kind are
2: you? I don't know. Kiki, what kind am I? She's (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 I'm still on mute. That's it's a really it's really interesting to kind of hear all of that um, you know, fringe. I think some of these being really different and interesting terms, um, I can certainly speak a long time to, to different styles that Jenny, you know, works under. Mm-hmm. I've always thought about Jenny is one of like the biggest creative and like daydreaming um, and aspirational minds out there and has been like an incredibly positive leader and and like model for me personally. I've always appreciated that style um, of you know of leadership and camaraderie in in the workforce.
1: The you gigs? Gigs? I don't know that's the sweetest oh. thing ever. I was gonna ask, I find there are two types of leaders in the way of helping the team accomplish what they need to do. Do you find that Jenny like gives you the thing to do and then gives you
2: a lot of freedom? Or do you find that she gives you step by step? there's been a lot, a lot of openness and freedom within that structure. There's creativity and like a a direction um, and an idea. There's sort of always been, I think Jenny originates like the point of like all of these ideas have this amazing origination in Jenny's brain. um, And then like come to me and other people um, on our team. And from there, there's space to kind of Evaluate and create, and answer questions and ask questions, and then work through things rather than sort of like a project plan laid yeah. out with a million steps, um, you know, already, you know, kind of already baked in. Sure, pretty collaborative. Because none of us know what we're doing. No, so we're just making it Say up on the fly. Again. Say that but again. I-
0: we are, none of us know, I don't know what, what we're doing. I'm like, come up okay. with an idea. And I'm sure my partners, Gina and Kemp are like exhausted by me. Cause I'll be like today I was meditating this morning and I decided we need to host a retreat. That's what we're doing. And there will be like, um, is there like a business use case model? And I'm like, that's ah, fine. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I definitely have like, the, like, this is where we need to be. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, what's going to be the revenue model, like, but this is how the business has to grow. Yeah. But I appreciate, cause I'm much better at the like bigger picture thinking and not always so good at like the smaller details yes. of how we're going to, Get but there. The best, yeah. The best part about that is, you know, your strengths, but and, and so I've had people tell me that. And like Kirsten Kiki has been very helpful in that sense being like, you know, we need like an email on Mondays, or can we like, make sure that we're, you know, buttoned down and like, they'll keep me accountable to the yes. details. And I find that incredibly helpful. Cause I'm like, if you give me homework and tell me what I need to do to help you, I'm thrilled by that. Cause Otherwise, it's like, um, there's a lot of things that are happening all at once. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, whatever is going to be helpful to get to the goal.
1: Yes. And I think that the more you lead, the more you learn about your strengths and weaknesses. You have to be really vulnerable, any type of leader that you are, to be aware that, you know what, I'm not so good at organizing my thoughts and I need to go find a Kiki to help me stay organized. Or if you're extremely structured, if you're the flip around, an extremely organized leader, you need to go find somebody who's got the much more creative brain like you. The pairing is what's needed in a business. And I think a lot of assumptions are made about the fact that if you're an entrepreneur, you need to do it all by yourself. And you need to come up with it by yourself and everything is going to be brilliant and you're just going to accomplish it no matter what. And you're going to figure out how, but it really, you need a team of some kind. And if you don't have enough money to hire a team, your team can be a board. Your team can be friends. It doesn't really matter. But you need There's to- also
0: like, you have to take, when you're a founder, you can get very caught up in ego. And a, ego. I ego. Like, Why and <laughs> yeah. ego in the sense of like some of that control. Like if I have to do it because it's my company. And if I don't do it, then I'm not succeeding. Or I have to be the face of this thing and I have to own it. And it's all about me. And so much of it is like, you know, Gina and I started this business together. We have a third partner camp. We have a great team. And it's like there isn't really any ego. Everybody. And I think that's an amazing aspect of what we've built. I, because I do the social stuff because they, Gina and Kemp hate it Yeah, and it's not in their comfort zone or what they want to do. So that's backseat. So because of that, it's sort of like I'm on the screen. So it would seem like that's about me, but it's not like, there's not, I don't have an ego. I don't care. I just want this business to succeed ultimately. And it's about the greater good. But there are a lot of businesses especially now where like the brand is caught up with the founder and you have to be the business and you have to put yourself out there even if you're not comfortable with it or even you know I'm not selling a product, right? I'm not selling like a candlestick where it's like me lighting candles on my table. This is a different type of brand. But if you are selling something in this day and age, like you kind of have to be the face of the brand. You can't just sell a product in a way. If you have to put yourself, invest yourself in it. And then it wraps up a little bit into the ego of like, how do you differentiate those things? So when you talk about brand, how do you think about that?
1: I think what you just explained is what a lot of people don't realize. They do think they have to dive in. So to set it up separately, if you are running a small business and you want it to succeed, you're going to have to either put yourself out there in some way, or I call it finding the mascot, or maybe it's not you specifically, but you use Kiki as your face. A human being. She would be so uncomfortable
0: with that. <laughs> you, could, you could actually go. She hates this right now. Yeah. yeah, no. I've gotten so
2: much better. I think that I lost,
0: I would have been a less.
1: quiet leader. You're a quiet leader. That was just like, I but you, I totally lost my train of thought saying, Scott. Scott. sorry, you were saying that's you have Scott. to have something, no, which is so smart. Hard. Just, just yeah. some sort of face because you can't be love the product team, right? Nobody can, that's all a whole discussion about trust and people need to like You need stickiness with your customers and your clients for them to buy from you. So people are really important in this social media day and age. But if you are interested in ever selling your business, it is a fine line you have to walk because a business is way less valuable to a buyer if you are the one that is the face of it So if you're looking to run a business or you are running a business and you want to scale it and you want to sell it for billions of dollars and your face is all over it, unless you're going to sell that business with you all over it, uh, it's not going to work so well. So there need to be ways to move away from that. Uh, And there are a million ways to do it, like getting a mascot. I do know folks who have a lot of success just selling a product, but they also have massive PR budgets.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you don't have an enormous marketing budget, where you're just like throwing money at ads everywhere, yeah. the best and cheapest way to do it and to market a business yeah. is by using you know any earned opportunity, and that's going to wind up being about you. But as even a then, even
1: then, I I never understand why people don't want to put themselves out there because if you walk, if you've ever walked into a dinner party. You didn't walk in with like a paper bag over your head. You were okay. You talked to people. You introduced yourself. If you can keep that mindset, which is really hard, people relate better to people. You know what I mean? If I did this entire interview with my face covered, it wouldn't be as interesting.
0: Because people feel awkward. I mean, look, Gina told me for years that we should be doing webinars and video stuff and a podcast for years. And I felt very self-conscious about putting myself out like that because it felt like, I don't know, does anyone really want to hear from me? It's not about me. It's about the members. It's about this. Until like one day, again, when I was like, uh, this is a slog. We have to rethink how to do this. Yeah. And I was like, I, it's just, we got to do, like, this is just time to get over myself and dive into it. And, and I did. But for years, I felt very awkward about it. Like it was somehow making it about me when it wasn't about me. I used to cartoonize
1: my photos so that no one could even really see what my face looked like. I was just like you, Jenny. I very much was like, why do people want it? I, I don't matter. Like, it's all about the members. It's all about the customers. And the only way I know how to get over that hump is you just go do it a lot. Do
0: it. Just do, you just
1: do it. You have to do it because I think we all come to the table Particularly, I am now going to make this gendered, but especially as women, we tend to close ourselves and make ourselves more humble than we need to be.
0: You also maybe don't want to put yourself out there because you just, you can hear what people are thinking and so you, or the ways in which you can get canceled or cut down or that people are going to poke holes in whatever it is. And you
1: are, as a small business owner, very unlikely to have a lot of conversation going on about you anyway at the start. And by the time you're used to it, you will be able to put up with the comment here and there about how, you know, wow, your Zoom lipstick looks really weird, Jill. You know, comments like that.
0: I don't know. I think your Zoom lipstick looks really cool. And it's distracting me, but also like fascinating
1: me at the same time. Fascinating until it stops working. And then it's really not a good look.
0: I I think it's very cool. So when you, okay, let's, let's roll this back a tiny bit and just, you know, for those who don't know, what is the founding moms program? What is the community like? How does it work if people are interested in getting involved?
1: Well, I would love to tell you, I've been building the founding moms, which is a community for mom entrepreneurs since 2010. So we've evolved a lot over the years, as have I, the founder, we now help any mom entrepreneur who who already has a business, she's running it. She's either really uh, lonely, frankly—that's the best way to say it—and she needs company while she's building her business, or she really wants to strengthen her marketing, branding, or sales skills. So we have a lot of video courses, live workshops. Uh, we offer a wide array of education, tons of resources so that you, the mom entrepreneur, can develop better skills and make a
0: lot more money. What kind of resources, like what topics do you touch on?
1: We focus mostly on marketing, branding, sales, and emotional wellness. Here and there, we'll welcome uh, a finance workshop or we'll do an accounting workshop, but I'm making these spaces because every time we (laughs) offer one, everybody kind of like immediately takes their batteries out, shuts down and doesn't want to have anything to do with us. So uh, we're we're really there to help each other strengthen just those four core areas. But we strengthen marketing, branding and sales all the while talking about how to stay sane. Because if you have kids and a business or two or three, we all understand the crazy of doing that all together. We also, uh, part of a membership that we have and it's a monthly membership We have in-person founding exchanges. Before the pandemic, we were in over 30 cities around the world. Post-pandemic, we're much smaller, but we're going to start opening them up in lots of cities in
0: 2023. What do you think is the best advice you have for marketing for any one person who's here looking who has a small business? What are the topics that you really like to drive home?
1: I mean, I don't-, I don't As a really, small business
0: owner, I'm asking. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I'm pausing because I don't know if this is technically under some people's understanding of marketing, but the first thing I would say to anybody with a small business is make sure you understand your customer's journey. What are they seeing? What is the messaging they're seeing from you? What is the experience from when they first discover you all the way to post-purchase? Because it's just, there are, thousands of entrepreneurs over the years I've met who will have a basic example, contact form on their contact page that two years in they discover isn't working and they haven't been getting any email little tiny things like that. So if you have never gone through the experience of your customer or client or potential and walked yourself through the tech of it, literally the messaging, like what are they seeing on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook? versus the emails you're sending out versus the language on your website. Does it all match? Is the and I, that leans into branding. It's all windy, but I just customer journey is my number one hot tip because we all can use an upgrade.
0: Oh my God. That is something that we I, I it's on my to-do list of like we I need to make a change to the website. And it's like you get so bogged down in the day to day of doing all of the things that you need to be doing, that sitting and going through it and doing the audit and then figuring out how it could go best. And you can't do it sloppy. No, no. That's my pet peeve. Anything done sloppy. I don't like sloppy. No,
1: don't do it sloppy. You can walk your way through your customer's journey. And as you go... (laughs) I'm now going to do a sticky wall analogy. Like first step, you take the sticky, you put it on your wall, you write it down. You don't have to address it right away, but you want to make a bunch of stickies for each step in the process so you can address them later. Because what will happen is, for example, what you just said, if you're ready to go and make a little website tweak, if you look at the customer journey beforehand, you might see, oh, I don't want to just change this thing. I need to change two things because over here... But that's what's scary
0: because it's it's like it's like being like I'm gonna renovate my house. Oh, I'm just gonna paint (laughs) my cabinets because I want them to be white, and then all of a sudden you find out all the cabinets are falling apart, and the next thing you know, you're renovating your entire kitchen.
1: Exactly. So here, and that seems wild. And then you're like, I can't renovate
0: a kitchen right now.
1: Don't (laughs) do it yourself. Go and ask. Well, Kiki, I'm gonna throw you under the bus. Go ask Kiki to do it, or even better. Is you can make a contest out of it, you can make a, a challenge out of it. Ask one of your customers. Hey, can you throw up a camera? Can you have your kid film? Can you just literally walk through it and screenshot the whole thing? Why did my brain disappear? What's the screenshotting thing we all use? You know what I'm talking about. You don't know talk about because we're on Zoom. I was stuck. Loom. You could do a loom. You can have somebody do a loom for you. I don't know what a loom is. What's a loom? It's a great tool, good, good highlight, Jill. Yeah, there you go. I'm so sorry. You don't know what a loom is, but there you go. Just say to one of your customers, can you loom your experience with me? Uh, and they'll loom it for you, send you the video, and you can watch them clicking around.
0: Oh, that sounds so fancy. I told I you know. I'm not good at the tech stuff.
2: Super. It would, it would potentially be a great way for us to show people how to do you know, certain things navigating the platform, for example. You Which should
0: do this.
1: This awesome. seems like a great idea. So easy, Jenny. I know the fear of overwhelm from oh no, there will be eighty things to fix. But first of all, you don't have to fix any of them right away. But you need to know them because they're all going to inform how you continue to make money and develop the company. I just think it's it's too important. In three years, in I don't want you to go. Oh wait, I could have discovered that that long ago and fixed it. You know, so ha- yeah. ask more customers for more help.
0: Okay, first, I want to just ask anyone who wants to ask a question, throw them up there because we're getting into the last few minutes here. But I think we should talk a little bit about money because lots of people, I see it happen all the time, they decide they're going to launch a business. And especially in this moment where people are opting out of the workforce because they left during COVID, a lot of women, and then They or they're getting laid off because we're in a really rough period of time right now. And women entrepreneurship goes up in those moments because people are like, "Okay, great, I'll go off and I'll start my own business. And that's a great idea. And there's a lot of like excitement around starting a business and there's a lot of big dreams and, and the launch is exciting and you're in it but there's not really the understanding of the underlying revenue model, how long this is going to take to make money, what it's going to cost to start this business, run this business. And I don't ever like to be a dream killer, but often people will come to me with business ideas and I'm like, there's literally no way for this to make money. Mm. And you have to understand how much effort and time and blood, sweat, and tears you're going to put into this thing. What? is the goal so when you're talking to women on the like launch side of founding moms not the grow side of founding moms what's the advice that you give about thinking through the monetization the like how much money are you putting in we're in an a moment where like, you can't just raise money. That's not a thing that happened no, is I happening right now. Anyway, no, don't do that. But, no. but for uh, the last 10 years, that was like, the well, then I'll raise money. And like, that was like, they were giving away bags of money on the corner.
1: Yeah, well, right. And now that we're in 2023, there are so many ways that you can start a business for no money. The software is incredibly free these days. If you really need to raise money, you don't need to go to the banks anymore because you can crowdfund. And here's the beauty of crowdfunding when you're new. And my favorite platform is Kiva because there's zero interest loans that you can do in a crowdfunding sense. We'll get into that in a second. The reason that's great is because Jenny, you were like, a lot of people come to me and I don't want to be a dream killer. Yes, you do. So the first question is actually, will this idea make money? And the problem I see with a lot of entrepreneurs is they, the founder answers that. You cannot know what the market will buy. I have run three businesses and tried to start six other ones. I can tell you right now, no matter how much you think you know, or you're the prime user of your product or service, you have no idea what the market's gonna do. So number one thing you have to go do is ask the market. Is great, great tip. People. Survey friends, call people. So would you, and not like, uh, I'm gonna grab something right now. Okay, paperweight. Would you buy this paperweight? you could say to me, that's so pretty. Sure. That's not the kind of testing you want to do. You actually want to get into a conversation with folks to find out, well, why would you buy this? Where would you use this? And dig in so that they can realize I have no use for that. Because when the time comes and you've produced 12,000 of these and you return to Jenny to say, hey, I have them now. Do you want to buy it? Jenny goes, I have no use for it. No, thanks. It's pretty though. So I hope I kind of made my point clear in a very silly way. You can't assume. So that's number one. And then number two, you just got to do basic math. If you're going to spend money, even if it's crowdfunded money that you didn't have to collect from anywhere, you need to figure out when you spend it, what the expenses really are. Like if you're going to go self-publish on Amazon, very cheap to do. But if you're then going to receive books maybe 10 of them at author cost. And then you want to ship them out. You have to remember, shipping costs money. There are all of these little things, which brings me back to, even when you're ready to launch, what's your customer journey going to be? Does it involve shipping? Does it involve printing? Does it involve producing something? If you're service-based, there's pretty much almost no cost. You can launch a website for free. You might want to print a business card. Maybe that's your cost but you can start on nothing and make some money that way, especially for service-based and keep going.
0: Also, retail is a very different conversation. So our our consumer products and a lot of women go into, as we discussed earlier, that a lot of women go into retail service and consumer goods because they find a gap in the market and they fill that hole and they say like, I want to buy this this thing, or we can use this thing in my life. And so they do that. And it's very expensive. Another very important metric is how long can you go without making money? Yes. Because you don't know when you are going to make money off of this thing.
1: Right. I have a great quick story to tell you about that because there was a founding mom who showed up to a meeting many years ago she essentially showed up and said, I have a product idea. And we all said, what is it? She told us verbally, well, it's a nail product. I'm going to make it. And we laughed at her and we told her it would never work. And the dream sounded ridiculous and it would be too expensive. Her determination got her through cooking chemicals in her kitchen to create a nail product that I'll just fast forward for the sake of time. Eight years later, she's in every Sephora now. She's traveled the world, selling it in every country, and she's making millions of dollars. So there is a lot to go into this conversation because I think some ideas, a lot of people go, that doesn't sound great. If she's determined, she's going to figure it out, but it depends on how much time you have, how much budget you have, et cetera.
0: What's your tolerance for risk?
1: Yes. And um, a lot of people- Is another thing they too. think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, this was a fascinating conversation. I loved it so much. I want you to tell people how they can find you, what, yes. what what's come the what's me. the whole Founding Mom world that totally. you've created and then we will allow them to come and join your your group and and go on that. with their days. I would love that.
1: Come join us. We're at foundingmoms.com. It's very easy. And we're that on Every social media area, I'm at Founding Mom, or we're at Founding Moms, plural. Everywhere, come say hi. But go to FoundingMoms.com and just join us because it's very simple and it's really affordable for the amount. The bang for your buck is crazy if you're growing a business. We would love to hang out with you.
0: Thank, Thank you, you, Jill. This was such a great conversation. I appreciate all of the advice. I appreciate your time and and your enthusiasm.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for brightening up a
0: rainy, otherwise (laughs) rainy morning in New York City. I'm
1: so glad. Thank you so much. Bye. Take
0: care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.